y'all. Welcome back to Fourth Wall. I'm Elena Newell, and today I am with Courtney J. Body. Hi, Courtney. Hi. Uh, how are you today? I'm so excited that we uh, are working together. Yeah, me too. I'm very. I'm. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, quick little background. So, um, Fourth Wall, the podcast is working and collaborating with Courtney with her video series, We Can't Go Back, as well as her podcast, Teaching Artistry. And we are having a meeting of the minds collab. So there will be um, this interview uh, on our platform, Fourth Wall. And then you can go check out Courtney interviewing me on her platforms on both video and on podcast. And I'll tell you guys more about all of that and where you can find it later. people a little bit about yourself who you are what you do uh well first elena i just want to say thank you for having me i'm i am honestly really excited i'm always excited to talk to other podcast hosts but more specifically um i'm super uh jazzed about the the intersection of our of our respective work and how ultimately it's creating community conversations um amongst ourselves and others within uh the arts and arts education so yeah, my name is Courtney J. Body, and I uh, am the creator and host of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body, which uh, is a podcast that uh, celebrates artists and advocates for community engagement. Uh, and We Can't Go Back series is focused specifically on looking at anti-racist and liberatory practices in the arts. Um, and arts education. And so I'm, I'm talking to artivists, I'm talking to arts leaders, cultural, cultural leaders, um, witnesses, etc., who are doing this, who have been doing this work for a very long time, and um, finding ways to engage uh, in dialogues for, for myself, uh, whose full-time job is actually vice president education and school engagement at the new 42, um, a predominantly white institution. And I've just recently been promoted to that title, which, um, I think I earned, I'm, I'm, I'm going to own that, but also it, it looks good for them. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, but at the same time now I'm at the table that I've been pushing to make real change. Uh, and now I, I hope that I have, uh, a deeper understanding of not only, um, you know, what I've always wanted to make in terms of change, but mo more that I have more responsibility in making and affecting that change. Um, so these conversations that I'm having through my podcast have always uh, really fueled a lot of the work that I've been doing. And then more specifically, this video series has been about uh, uh, my own, honestly, my own journey uh, as a black cisgendered woman, um, as somebody who knows how to navigate white spaces pretty well, um, and, and, you know, really thinking about my own critical consciousness. Yeah. Yes. And also I love what you said about like being promoted and being like, it looks good that I'm promoted, but also we deserve it. I'm, that's been a great time. And this is like, oh yes, they're giving me money to promote these projects, which 
looks good for them, but they also, I've worked hard. They should promote these projects. So let's keep it moving. Um, specifically your podcast teaching artistry. How long have you had this podcast? Yeah. So I started this podcast, uh, the inclination of it started, I believe in 2016 and we launched it in 2017. Um, I really, uh, if you don't know the term teaching artist or what, what is a teaching artist? Uh, that was the impetus, the seed for why to start, why start some sort of conversation in this. So, uh, in, in arts education, um, and for me, I work in theater education or performing arts, really. But uh, in the theater, uh, you know, theater se- industry, there's a segment called Theater for Young Audiences, and um, the New Forty Two powers a, a project that is called the New Victory Theater, and there we present works for uh, the the earliest theater goers of babies all the way up through um, uh, uh, teens and, and, and obviously families and, and schools is what I sort of focus on. But um, the, the thing that I was noticing is that the work that we do um, to sort of surround a theater going experience is done by our teaching artists and people don't know what a teaching artist is. And I see on a daily basis, the magic that they bring that is super skills based, that is informed by, um, many different aspects of expertise and it's invisible. And I wanted to, um, shed some light onto it and celebrate all these people. So initially I was talking to, uh, in my first year, I was like, I'm trying this thing. And I asked a bunch of my friends who I thought were amazing and people, it started to resonate. And over time, I've been able to partner with different institutions that really um, also advocate for teaching artists um, uh, and uh, reaching different folks in different parts of the of the country and, and more. So over time, over the last four years, we've had 35 episodes and most of those episodes have multiple parts. Um, so I think we have cl- close to 85 to 86 tracks um, and it's a monthly podcast. I have a full-time job. <laughs> So doing it weekly was not a possibility, though it took us a little time to figure out what the format, what that format would be. But Mm -hmm. uh, we've got a very, very loyal base of artists, teaching artists, um, arts educators. And and while most of our listenership is in the States, we actually are global. Um, We've got folks listening in um, Singapore and folks who are listening in Japan and... um, uh, Australia, uh, a lot of, of, yes. of the English language speaking, um, countries, but, um, also like, uh, Russia. Come on. Yes. <laughs> so cool. That is great. Yeah. How does, we can't go back fit into this. How did teaching artistry lead to, we can't go back. How did those kind of start fusing? And then how did, we can't go back form? Um, so, so the audio platform started, like I said, four years ago and, um, oh, sorry. I, I think about it. I thought about it four years ago. It started three. Okay. You know, um, <laughs> in those conversations, we would always, when I'm talking to my, uh, to artists, teaching artists, I mean, we are all acutely aware of the injustices and the, the inequity inequities in the, uh, education system and, and, 
because we were often talking about the education system and not necessarily our own experiences of, of experiencing racial injustices ourselves, um, mm-hmm. that that was something that just wasn't part of the ethos initially. Um, but we would talk about, you know, how uh, we would talk about gentrification and how that was affecting schools. And we would talk about um, shifts uh, and trends within the field, um, as well as like, learning more about your like you as a guest and your work um and more recently i i was noticing especially in these last four years of this political climate a lot of politics would like filter into my um host intros and then that would start to start to filter into the conversations and the kinds of questions that i was asking so i think as i was growing and and um having a better understanding of how things that are happening on a federal level or a national level really um, have deeper impacts than maybe I was thinking in the past on the local level Um, and being able to talk to folks in different parts of the country and see where the similarities lie and the, and uh, the differences lie. And then uh, in terms of the, we can't go back series. Yeah. This um, when the pandemic started, there were a lot of, a lot of, uh, campaigns and movements that were happening and creative generation, um, has been doing really tremendous work, global work. Um, and they put together, a uh, a campaign around, um, li- really supporting artists who were the first to sort of lose their jobs, get furloughed, mm-hmm. get laid off, et cetera, and how we needed to support them. And so there was a campaign that was, uh, called, uh, keep making art and uh, there was a sort of call of like, who wants to join this campaign? And the podcast was one of the ones who joined. And I just, at the time I was also dealing with like everything that was going on in my institution. So I sort of was like, here's the, here's the logo. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> and then um, Jeff Poulin, who is the uh, managing director for creative generation said, well, does the podcast want to get involved? Like, what can we do? And as he and I started talking and there was not necessarily like we were, we were scrappy. It was like, okay, well, you know, could we do this? Could, could we do that? What could we do? And eventually it was like, well, you know, what if we started a new platform for the podcast and we targeted a series? So we created um, a series called keep making art. Very simple. <laughs> and that, uh, that was at my chance to actually broaden the guest pool from those who specifically do like community engagement and arts education mm-hmm. to artists. So I was talking to Broadway artists. I was talking to, you know, art cool artists who I thought were doing cool and it was interdisciplinary as much as I could get. And so we did mm-hmm. 30 episodes of that. And that was my, my way of getting my feet wet um, from, tr- from really understanding the audio world to um, the, the video uh, world, YouTube. What? <laughs> like the video, you know, so audio. that was a, that was a hard transition because, like, you know, my <laughs> my audio, you know, I'm it's just me and this little like recorder. We're sitting on a couch, we're sipping wine, whatnot. We're talking for hours, and it's mm-hmm. great. And we're I'm delving deep, right, into yeah. who you are. Whereas this was targeted and you know like bite sized, uh, etc. Right. So that was a big transition. And um, what was becoming more and more clear, so that, sorry, that kicked off in, um, I believe it was April and it went through June. And uh, so we got to May 
and it was it was abundantly clear and it was starting to come in and creep into those conversations about racial injustice it was just happening naturally and mm-hmm. then george floyd and and the 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 massive reaction now i want to also just mark for us that um as an uh, the institution that i worked with um were also already having these conversations and had been in the process of of um doing research and and looking ultimately doing a search for working to do anti-racism work um and right at that same point we were like we think we found them what's the next step how do we start reporting out and the protests began and uh, and the world shifted and it was a moment where i was like i've been working you know in many ways within the the work that i do uh in terms of what i oversee um this podcast and um just life i've been trying to do incremental change but that's not enough and it was clear mm-hmm. that that has not been enough and so i i just sort of made a uh I was trying to hold myself accountable. And part of that was at the very end of the keep making art campaign. We were uh, sorry, that video series, we were already having deeper and more specific conversations about anti-racism, anti-blackness, mm-hmm. all of that. And um, the la like one of the last episodes is just me saying, I is saying basically what I just said and talking a little bit about my, my, my parents experiences and how I need to, mine them as my ancestors um to understand what my path is to the future um and i talk very specifically about my dad who integrated his college campus and at the Mm. end i made a sort of pledge saying i'm gonna make this shift and this will this will be a part of all of the conversations moving forward so the series became that prom the starting point for being holding myself accountable and understanding that I ha- I have a responsibility to learn and unlearn and I have a responsibility with this pa- platform and the power with this platform to be able to talk to folks that I wouldn't normally get to talk to <laughs> or listen right. to and share those conversations with uh, our audience. Yeah. When you think about like all of the videos you've already like published, is there like one that you're like, this is the one where I was like, wow, we did some good work here. I, I do. I honestly, I feel that way about all of them <laughs> um, because the <laughs> guests are really they're uh, they're well curated. If I do say so myself, but um, <laughs> they're also I ask the same questions and the answers are all, you know, very different because they're from that person's perspective of their work and their right. life experiences. But there's always an underlying like we got to do better we've got to do better. And here, here are very specific uh, ideas for how, but I think the the one that I would, I would maybe point to, and uh, I'll, I'll be real honest that I'm teach I'm in the middle of teaching a, cl- uh, a grad class right now. And um, I added the podcast in t- uh, specifically this program, uh, the, sorry, the video series because of the, um, you know, we're, sorry, the courses, the teaching artist. <laughs> so I'm, I'm working with people who are interested in getting into the same field that I, I have a lot right. of, 
um, understanding about, but also we're in a moment where I don't know what this field looks like and we need to do some real work and we need to look at uh, abolitionist teaching and we need to look at radical self-love and we need to look at revolutionary love and we need to be looking at how we, un- we don't perpetrate harm on any community mm-hmm. that we work with as artists. And here are some conversations that are not me as the expert by any means, but I'm bringing in folks who are doing this work. So um, there, uh, it's very difficult to choose, to be honest with you. But one of the things that um, we're doing, uh, uh, so one of the things that I'm, I'm also doing <laughs> is sort of try, oh, look, sirens. We love sirens. This is the neighborhood. <laughs> um, I live by a hospital. Oh, choosing, choosing, selecting. Oof. Yeah, no, I think one of the things that I've decided uh, is that they're all fantastic. You should watch all of them. Right now, I think there are uh, 14, 15, maybe 17 episodes, I think, in the in the end. Right now, it's it's run. it started in, in August, and it should run through the middle of December. So I think we'll have like 17 or 18 of these episodes. Um, they're, they're coming out weekly. And... Um, I am working to amplify black women and their voices specifically on the audio platform. So we just started playing them on the audio platform and we're highlighting the women. Um, uh, one, uh, because it's important period Two, because I, uh, I hoped that we would have gotten the election outcome that we have. And, uh, I wanted to be able to honor the fact that I'm now a VP, there is a black and American, uh, uh, sorry, and um, uh, Indian, uh, South Asian uh, woman who is the vice president. And the women that I speak to on this show uh, speaks truth to power, like nobody's business and in a way that is strong, that is uh, full of understanding uh, life experiences Um, and so I, maybe the one that I would, if, if I had to choose, I would, I would say the panel discussion between, um, Toya Lillard, um, Robin and Darrell and that one, uh, 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 watch it to the end because Robin answers a question and we all just sort of feel it. There's something, I mean, obviously, we're both black women, so we both recognize that black women are like, I don't want to say the best, because there's no competition, but like, we're pretty much the best, and even like, now there's statistics to prove it. Like, people all over the news are talking about, it's the 91% of black women that voted for Joe Biden that helped push him to success, thank God. Um, But, like, they just, also specifically black women artists talking about art or just black artists talking about art is so I could like sit in a room and just watch random people talk about art for hours just because having the intersection of like your own set of circumstances dealing with discrimination dealing with pain dealing with hate and then choosing to dive into a field that is all about creating light and creating lessons and like actively choosing to pick joy even though your circumstances have been set up for you to pick anything else. It's just, 
I love black women. We do all, we do everything. Yeah, right. I <laughs> I agree with that. And I um I'm in the middle of reading. We want to do more than survive. Um, so what you when you said thrive, like that is that is absolutely that's pure truth. That even in the pain, like in my in my intro, um, for we can't uh, we can't go back. I talk about I specifically have a a, a call out to black women and all of their resilience and their pain and resistance and joy and um, all of that, all that complexity is their humanity is our humanity. And um, the, the thing that uh, also rings out to me is that not, this is a person who's been a guest on the show, but not on, on, we can't go back, but um, you know, Michael Wiggins is is one of my dear friends and just like another person who speaks truth to power and says things uh, very radical um, in a a beautiful, beautiful way. And um, he talks about how love is not soft and mushy, but actually it's fierce and it's strong. And I think um, and it's not going to let you slide. And that's what black women do. I heard you say earlier about like, uh, you know, calling people out, but um, Toya always talks about how we also need to call people in because that's mm. the abolitionist way that yeah, I'm going to call you out because I'm duty bound to do so. And uh, these are f- truly her words. So I would also say Toya, <laughs> like watch her <laughs> um, and Adia. I mean, I can't, I can't choose, but um, these are the, these conversations are what is like inside rattling inside my head when I'm in different spaces in my work. Um, I try to weave, you know, different conversations that I have had with current conversations that I am having because they all are very, very inter- interconnected. Yeah. Specifically, let's talk about like being a black woman and navigating these spaces because um, just in like any field in life, um, a lot of the spaces that we have in common that we both navigate tend to be male dominated, tend to be white male dominated specifically. Um, how do you, as a black woman, enter those spaces and maintain your authority and maintain your opinions and stay strong in them? And most importantly, like maintain your peace, because I think that's the easiest thing that can be let go in those situations. Um, how do you navigate these heavily white spaces, especially now that we're talking about um, inclusion and racism and diversity, because we have to be in heavily white spaces to have those discussions. Like, Obviously, we should still be talking about them at, like, HBCUs, but, like, it's a different kind of discussion, you mm-hmm. know? So mm-hmm. how do you navigate that? Um, I think it, if I'm uh, – I thought I had an answer when I, when, you, when I looked – when we talked about this earlier, but now I'm thinking differently because um, – the or so I've worked for the same organization, not in the same position, but in the, for the same organization for 17 years. I started working there right out of grad school, and um, I just I love everything about it, but it's not without its need for change and work. It has been always led by women, predominantly mm-hmm. white women, but women nonetheless. So it was already a space that had opened up for women. And in fact, men in the, in leadership positions were very challenged to stay around, (laughs) um, for, for a variety of reasons. But what I think is interesting is that as much as I cared 
and loved um, the founding president who um, uh, stepped down about a year, almost two years ago, um, is that uh, um, my understanding is that so much of what she had learned in terms of being a leader of an organization was from being around white men. Her husband uh, uh, was in this industry and a, and a, a, a leader and had a, has a long history in the field. Um, and I think, you know, the more I'm learning about critical race theory and whatnot, like so much of what I'm seeing is, is it's not that she knew <laughs> necessarily, but it just was again, like, you know, like just, it just was, and things right. that needed to be addressed in terms of racial inequities, in terms of racial injustice, in terms of thinking about the, the workspace, um, there was a lot, there was a lot to, uh, to deal with there. Um, that said, I have always felt pretty comfortable in white spaces, even when I didn't feel like what it was, uh, clear. I was the only person of color or a black person in any, any of those spaces. Um, that's not entirely true of my organization necessarily, but I'm just saying in, in general, like I went mm-hmm. to a school that, you know, the percentages were very imbalanced, um, as I said earlier, my father integrated his college campus. He was one of eight, uh, young people who went to the school, but he, he integrated it, uh, sorry, one of eight black kids who went to his school in Mobile, Alabama, and he wanted to live on campus because, um, all the other kids, uh, oh, sorry, all the other students lived in that same, so they were commuting, commuting, mm. whereas he uh, his family lived in Phoenix city. And so he had to live off campus and go to school, but he wanted the full experience. So he had to petition and it it was, uh, it didn't seem very easy though. That's not the way he talked about it to me, but that's a, that's a different story. So, uh, I think, you know, one of the, one of the skill sets that they, uh, both my, both my parents gave me was to understand how to navigate white spaces, which basically meant, quiet yourself shrink yourself don't be the one who they call out and that was a problem that was a real problem because i'm big not just physically big but like everything about me is big and um so that i think you know i i might have thought oh i need to I need to be quiet. I need to not, you know, I don't see me like, so I did my best as a little one to make myself invisible because I didn't want to get in trouble. I didn't want to be called Mm -hmm. out all these messages that were being sent to me. However, as I got older, I think I finally like theater was actually the thing that was showing me like, Oh no, there's so much more to you than you're actually allowing others to see in many spaces. Obviously I was like Mm -hmm. all the big things with all my friends because I felt like the, accepted me right and then thinking about the professional world at a certain point I just stopped thinking about it (laughs) I just stopped thinking about it but then um if you go back to some of the earlier or like the mid-range conversations that I have on the podcast I had talked a lot about code switching and um and and not 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 feeling as though I was code switching and the reason for that was because I'd already indoctrinated myself in white culture Right. I wasn't talking about it then that way, 
I was just sort of saying like, I'm just going to take up this space and I don't, I don't care. <laughs> but I right. it's like, I'm going to take up the space and I'm going to be aware of how I'm going to, I'm taking up the space, but I'm also right. thinking about how do I create space for more people like me to come into this space? And that is something that I haven't done. I haven't done to the degree that I think I could, but I definitely have done that. Hey, yo. I just had to come on here and shout out one of my new faves, Prism Candle Company. Their candles are affordable. The quality is amazing and it smells so good. I literally have their cuffing season scent burning in my room right now as I speak. And the vibes in this room right now, y'all, are immaculate. You have no idea. I am literally obsessed with them and their scents. So go check them out on Instagram at Prism Candle Company or on their website at www.prismcandlecompany.com. Now, what are you waiting on? Go get your candle. Thank me later. Um, and so, so as, as I started to like move up and up into leadership more and more, it was, it was very similar actually to what you and I were talking about, about your university life is like, how do I make this a more inclusive place for everybody? What can I do? How can we be thinking about that? Not just for the workplace, but, but more, you know, also for our audiences, for, uh, and thinking about that. But the one thing that was the, the most challenging was to talk about race. And I, I tried in many ways without a whole lot of like deep understanding of, 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 of how to do that and wanting to bring somebody in who would have that, <laughs> have that knowledge right. and share. And, and eventually, you know, I, as I said, we got to a place where we were looking for uh, a consultant and who were almost hired almost. Um, so how do I navigate these spaces is I think I am working on making sure I never shrink myself, um, that I am creating space for others to be able to also never have to shrink themselves, um, and helping those who don't see that that happens, that it does and that they are part of why it does and how we can all work together to stop that, um, or to work towards that not ha- not happening or not feeling like people are excluded or marginalized or um, treated in an imbalanced way than their white counterparts in a workplace or within the work that we do. Um, and the biggest thing I think that I, I, I am understanding, and I think it might be because I have a podcast, but is that, you know, I don't, I don't know everything and I know that I don't know, know everything, but to create more space for others to contribute, to ask questions, even if they, there's no answer yet that, uh, creating space for others to have their voices be heard by more than just me, just in general, um, uh, that impacts potential change. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking about the fact that today we had a training that was focused specifically on anti-racism and it was with our, our teaching artists. And there were a lot of questions that came up about like, are we only focused on this within our, our little sliver of the institution or is this a part of a larger um, puzzle piece that we're just maybe we're not understanding yet? And that was a good mm-hmm. question and an important question. Um, and there were other kinds of like really deep impactful questions like um that I wouldn't have thought of you know right but by opening up the the space to ask those questions and say we want to do this work 
we want to embark on this journey, here's one way that we think we could start to look at and examine and uh, create create opportunity for us to um, be better uh, or to look at, you know, using a, an abolitionist framework. Um, is this the right angle? And some people were like, no. And others were like, well, and others were like, yeah, let's do it. You know, so creating that mm-hmm. space gave us a, a chance to dialogue. No, nothing came out of it. You know, like it wasn't like, all right, we're, you know, that same like metaphor of the people mover, but it, it was enough to sort of say, you know, we're all moving this direction at this speed. And we just did, I think something where we're slowing the speed and eventually we're going to want it to go in a different direction to disrupt that right. speed. But you know, you got to start somewhere. Yes. There are two things that like are sticking with me that you just said that I want to comment on and then I'll move on. The first thing I want to say is when you're talking about your parents teaching you um, to silence yourself in a, in a very like boiled down, but also extremely dramatic, but also very true sense. Um, A lot of like being raised in a black household is like being taught how to not die. Like, I know that sounds really dire, but like literally how to survive and make it to 20 and then make it to 30 and 40 and 50. Like all of these little things that we've been taught and ingrained since we were so young, which is how to survive the situation. And so I find that a lot of people, a lot, I don't know any like black person who doesn't know how to code switch or doesn't know how to adapt to those situations. Um, No matter how draining it can be for them once, like, especially once you're made, once you're so aware of it, Um, but it's like, it's not just code switching. Like you said, it's not, it doesn't feel like that. It's just, I'm just surviving. I'm just in this space and I'm going to survive in this space. And then the second thing you said was about like, is this a bigger, is this a a puzzle piece? And that's kind of what I want to jump to next is, do you feel, well, because like, first of all, you are enacting change. You literally are creating change. You in your position in in all of your positions are or you're helping to push the needle forward, but do you feel that? Like, do you recognize that you are actively a puzzle piece in this? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, now you're making me cry. Um, so thank you for the, for saying that. I'm um, sorry. no, 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 it's fine. I, um, so I, I said this, I don't know if it, we were recording or not, but like I was, I said, my soul guide said that too. Um, I, I, did a Reiki session yesterday and it was a soul level reading. And so she was talking to my like highest, I don't know, soul guides. <laughs> and, um, one of the things that they said was that I'm not, I am not good at, um, acknowledging or even recognizing the, the, the work that I do or giving myself enough credit or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. so sometimes I don't feel like I'm doing enough. Um, and sometimes I think, well, that was something. Yeah. Now let's, what's next? <laughs> um, you know, there, there's a constant pushing, um, that I do I, and I'm trying to do it mindfully. I'm not trying to just push to push, but actually say like, uh, you're not quite, I'm saying something you're not either. I'm not saying it in a way that you can hear it. Or Mm -hmm. you can't hear it, but I'm not going to not keep saying it. (laughs) Um, 
And so I, I do see some, I see levels of impact, but I also, I get tired. So sometimes I'm like, I'm, I'm going to pull back because I see others stepping up uh, Mm -hmm. to do that same sort of work. And, and I got to focus over here for a second. I'm going to come back because the work doesn't stop. I think the, the big thing that has been, uh, uh, um, potentially impactful that I can recognize is, uh, uh, actually, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I was going to say this, that, and the other, and then I was like, I don't, I, I feel as though, um, Yeah, I think this this is good. Okay, so um, thinking about the the graduates, the graduate class that I teach. So again, it's a teaching artist um, course. And last, I think last week, what week is this? Uh, anyway, the day after the election, <laughs> um, and we there was no results. And the week the week prior, so we meet on Wednesdays. So the week prior, I said, you know, I had I had a panel planned. And so I asked the question, what do you need? Uh, would you like me to, to bring that panel in? Would you like to be distracted in that way? Or would you rather, um, you know, that we continue to work on this piece that we're, we're building? Or do you want just open space? And then they told me they wanted open space. And I said, you know, I'm just going to put the, the theater making on the back, like as a backup in case that's something that mm-hmm. you want. But I, I had, you know, designed uh, the class in such a way based off what they were asking for. Um, and so I, I don't know if that's answering your question, but the, the thing that I heard them talking about was based off of the podcast. It was the reading and, um, they were talking about, uh, the complexities of anti-racism and intersectionality and what does that look like? And how does that, how do we try to work with communities that we are not a part of? And all of a sudden I was like, I, I have been teaching this course for, for, for a long time. And this was always a thing that I never felt like I got enough traction for any of the students for this conversation to happen. Mm. And in one episode, one half hour episode, we were, we were there. Yeah. So to me, that's, that's the kind of tangible interesting change that I, I feel like I am impacting. I did use the university level as opposed to my organization only because I talk about it so much. Um, and I'm, I'm ready for like a big leap in a change that I think will happen. And that I, I know I had a part in not just me, but many folks. And I'm, I'm interested in, and I would like to answer that question in, in six months (laughs) in regards to my institution. Yeah. But also, like, you're a multifaceted human with a multifaceted artistry. Like, your artistry spans into the university. It spans into all of your jobs. I'm also also in a film. (laughs) Yes! Yeah. But, like, all of that to say, like, no matter where the change happens, it's still activism. No matter what facet Mm. of your life you decide to start with or it creates today, you know? Like... That can impact. The only reason I'm asking that question because I was listening to a podcast with, uh, they were interviewing Stacey Abrams. I'm not going to plug the podcast just because it's three rich, famous white men. They have enough people listening to it. Um, But she was just talking about like, 
in like she they she's gotten so many people registered to vote in the state of Georgia alone. Eight hundred thousand. That is that's so insane. amazing. I don't even know why I didn't talk about her before because she's been like when she ran for governor, I was like, I am this woman. I love you. No, wait, she's much smarter than me, but I am. I'm here for all of this. And, you know, like I, I, you remember a couple years ago when uh, I don't want to call him out, but you remember Cam Newton? I think his name is Cam Newton. He's a quarterback. And like he was the hot ticket going into some Super Bowl and then they lost and he was kind of like a sore loser and couldn't even like deal with the press. And look at Stacey Abrams. This woman was like the the voter suppression was insane and how corrupt the current governor was as the secretary of state and ahead of in charge of the elections and did all this crap to to um, suppress the vote. And she could have just like stomped away, but instead look what she did. Graceful, smart, and got so many people to register and engage in, in our institutions. I mean, it's, it's, she's amazing. She's, it's amazing. And what a, what a, what an example for how, what tough love, like what love looks like. Yeah. I wonder what her self-care thing is. Like, how does she deal? Like, she works a lot. I feel like she watches, okay, specifically the three, she, she did a podcast with these three, like, white actors, and, like, she was talking about, like, how she knows all of their IMDb reels. Like, she knows all of the things. So I feel like she, like, watches Netflix or something to, like, something, like, super random to just decompress. But not only is that an example of one human enacting change in, like, Stacey Abrams enacting change, but that's her showing 800,000 individuals that they themselves can enact change. Because um, my question now is, how can someone who feels like they don't have a space, feels like there's nothing they can do to help push anti-racist agendas forward, um, what, are, like, what are things they can do? What are ways they can feel empowered? How can they empower themselves instead of looking for someone else to give them power? Um, cause voting is something where some people are like, oh, it doesn't matter. This one vote won't impact anything, but clearly it does. They just flipped a state that's been red since 1992. Like that's insane. But because she got 800,000 people to believe and recognize that they as an individual are worth so much more than they could ever think of. So like, how do people, how do you feel like you can push the needle forward? How do you, how can people create change on their own. Yeah. I think, I mean, that, that's a, that's a good point. Actually, some, some guests make that point, um, very largely actually around the individual work. So the work, you know, you always hear this, like, it's, you got to do the work. What is the work? What is the actual work? The yes. work is you're reading, you're talking to your neighbors, you're talking to, um, other people who have different opinions and different life experiences than you, you are, you know, watching, you're going to webinars. There's a lot of, that's how I started where I was like, I don't know uh, some of this language. I don't, I know what it is, but I don't know the language. Mm -hmm. Right. So let me, let me, let me start paying attention and let me start reading and go down my own path. Like actually where I ended up starting honestly was Maya Angelou. Right. So start from something that you're interested in and then start to branch out. So like I, I talked about Bettina Love and like 
I'd seen her speak somewhere and I went to a webinar and she has a podcast, uh, uh, from the abolitionist teaching network. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, I'm learning so much. So like go down a path that you're interested in. If you have one question, there's going to be lots of resources that will help you and stick to it. And because one of the things that like Ibram Kendi says is, you know, we all have been indoctrinated in this, but what he said in a webinar that I felt like, Oh wow. Is like, we're all shackled in some way or shape or form by white supremacy. We just don't like, I think that they're just this idea of like white supremacist delusion it's because those folks don't know that they're shackled, mm. but they will, they whiteness will tie us down and, and like some people will, will literally go down with the ship, not, and take all of us with them if they, if they could be, before they start to try and change. And there are those who will say, actually this, let's turn this ship in a different direction. But how you do that is you have to start, to one, you have to start loving black people. You have to start loving black people. Cause until like this country has never loved black people collectively. Right. So that's number one. Like you have to find a way to figure out how you can love black people. And, and other things that people have said on my podcast is like, you know, don't, you don't have to wait for somebody to give it to you, but you do have like the only way where power is going to be let go or uh, given up is that it has to be white people who are making that choice. Mm-hmm. So the, the start starting point is white, white identifying people. You have to start loving black people. You just have to start loving them. Even if you're like, that's crazy. Figure out how you can love them start reading, start talking, um, and start believing like this is like, if people are saying we are oppressed, believe them right. when women, black women in your institution are saying you're gaslighting me or, you know, have you noticed that I, that you're, you're like micromanaging me to, to a, a point where I don't want to work here anymore. I feel sick. I have you noticed I'm calling out because I can't deal with your white gaze. I don't think that that's how they're saying that, but you yeah. understand. But like, believe them. Like, why not? Why not shift from that? That like, you know, when people are like, I can't believe that. No, no, believe it and say, wow, right. that's wrong. That's wrong, and I believe you. Start there. Start from a place of belief. Start yes. from a place of opening up your heart and then let's start talking. But also, you know, take take a minute, like check in. How are you feeling? Are you feeling defensive? Are you feeling confused? Are you feeling scared? All of those things are fine. Bring all of that in. None of that has to be wrong or, or mm-hmm. shut away. But, you know, all those feelings that you're feeling, you're black and BIPOC um, colleagues or friends or neighbors have feel that on a daily basis. There was something that I said to my president, uh, the president of our, of our company, 
I forget. We, oh, uh, you were you were talking. Okay, I'm mixing our two conversations. But like, <laughs> you were talking about how there was a co- there was a meeting of two deans from two different universities, and that they needed one needed to hear it from up here. I've mm-hmm. been in conversations where you know executive level folks are talking to each other, and they can hear they can hear that you know. Um, and one of the things that uh, they said was, you know, we we're in this like moment of grief, like there's grieving that's happening and there's different stages of grief and white people, um, you know, tend to get into the like uh, the depression phase and it's hard to move out of that. So then the, mm-hmm. the sort of nothing find a way to move past whatever that is or or bring it with you when you take a new step. Right. And for, um, you know, the, the, the BIPOC field, black indigenous and people of color, if you are tired or you feel like you've been saying the same things over and over and over again, you can take a break. You've been working, you've been working real hard. Take a break. It's okay. Cause there's others who will step in to, to continue. And mm-hmm. when you're ready to come back in, it's good. It's going to be here. <laughs> It's going to be here. But I would say, I would say all of those things. I think the, the, the biggest thing that I, I have said, like I made a choice going into the election week to not engage. I decided to choose whimsy over anxiety because I thought if it goes in one direction that I hope it does not go in, there's so much of a fight that I need to rest. And if it goes in the direction that, I hope it goes in. I still, there's still going to be a fight. There's still going to be a lot of work to do. Like this is just one of the many, many actions that have to happen in order to impact real change. It's like either way, there's a fight ahead. It was just, it's just a matter of like, how hard is that fight? And it's still going to be hard because there's half this country is not there at all. I feel like I talked a long time about that. No, that was perfect. That's what like the the you're gonna have to fight with the same level of intensity. It just depends on what topic we're on right now. You know, how far behind are we? How far ahead are we in this moment? Like something that people have been saying a lot about this week is like, um, Democrats have won technically, but like morally, no, because everyone is like, this has to be a blowout. Like this specific president has done so much in the past four years. There is no way this has to be, this is going to be a fight, but it was, it was very, there is like 50% of Americans who wanted him to be our president for another four years. And that's something we can't ignore or act like didn't happen. No, not at all. But we also, I also think that going into the election, like there were some people who were treating it like it was any sort of election. It's like, no, like people have feelings around this and we need to create space for people to feel, especially the fact that we're not going to know the outcome on the end of uh, the evening of, of the, of the last day of voting on on election day. I didn't think it was going to take as long as it did, but after a while I sort of was like, Oh, I, this is kind of nice. It's kind of nice because I I could see the anxiety on so many. I was like, oh, I'm letting the white people take this. It was awesome to to yeah. you know allow like to not say why you're doing that, but more like you have so much anxiety about this. I'm, I you don't need me. You don't need me to be anxious because you're doing enough for me. 
Thanks. Right. Thanks for that. I said something that I said something in a, in a, in a executive space where I was like, you know, just because if this happens and I see we're all hopeful, I get it. I wasn't, I was still trying to stay like ready. Yeah. But I was like, but we keep looking for the outside and we need to, sh- this, I'm totally quoting slash paraphrasing Sonia Renee Taylor, who said, you know, you keep, your gaze is over here and to the outside, but shift your gaze, shift your gaze to you and us and the community and creating right relationship with your community by looking at those who, who are already creating that for themselves inside Mm -hmm. of a society that is trying to actively kill them. You want to find change. That's where you go and you have the power to replicate that or create space spaces like that within the spaces that you have power on and if we're all doing that that's going to be the thing that ultimately changes us and that that was very impactful for me so like this is what i'm talking about is find the people who are speaking to you you know ask questions be inquisitive you know one of the things that somebody said was we can free up some space because he takes up so much space but you know what you can fill that space with knowledge conversation radical anti you know anti-racism yeah let's go there oh Courtney this has been lovely this has been a great night what a great evening we've had Um, (laughs) for the people who are just as stunned and amazed by your intelligence as I am where can they find you on social media where 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 are you at yeah so where we're (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thanks for <laughs> thanks for that yeah where we're at is uh you can go to our website which may or may not be updated uh, uh dot org. um on facebook it's teaching artistry <laughs> or on twitter we are ta underscore artistry and on instagram we are teaching artistry with cjb um you can also subscribe to us on soundcloud we're on, you you know, get on that YouTube channel. And we also have merch. I don't know if you've seen me continually <laughs> drinking out of. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. So you can find, you can get there through the website at the top. It says pod shop, pod shop. Oh, and there's a 10, there's a 10% um, uh, uh, discount. Oh, hey, there's a, <laughs> there's a 10% discount <laughs> on our, our merchandise. There's, there's mugs, there's tote bags, there's t-shirts, tanks, hoodies, etc. If you put in the promo code love 2020, love 2020. I'm writing it down because I'm buying merch after this is it's a merch. This is my favorite and the tote bag. It, it holds a lot. You need to drink things. You have to. It's required. Ah, oh, this has been so great. I'm we're gonna wrap it up because it's starting to get late. I'm starting to lose my senses. Um <laughs> but thank you so so much for sitting here and talking with me today. Well thank you for making me getting me to really expound and think you made me think, so thank you for that. <laughs> a lot. A lot I'm not welcome. joking, like just you made me think a lot and this conversation is a part of my journey, continuing my journey, so thank you. You just listened to another episode of Fourth Wall, the podcast. If you like Fourth Wall, head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us five stars. You can also follow our journey on Instagram at This Is Fourth Wall and on Facebook at Fourth Wall. 
And if you have any questions, ideas for new episodes, thoughts, want to submit a letter that we can read aloud, or just want to say, hey, email us at hello at fourthwallpod.com. That is hello at fourthwallpod.com. I hope you guys have an amazing, amazing week. And we'll see you next time for some good, I mean, good conversation on Fourth Wall, the podcast. Bye, y'all.